Hey everybody, Jim Minnery here. Thanks for tuning in uh, to I'm Glad You Said That. Uh, whether you're podcasting it or tuned into the radio station, uh, we're glad you're here. It's January 25th, a Wednesday, and the snow is melting in South Central. Uh, crazy. I had actually had someone scheduled to come and clear the roof, uh, but never showed up. And by the time uh, I was going to call him again today, and, and the, most, a lot of the snow's gone. Um, interesting. Uh, well, I'm, I'm glad you're here. I'm, I'm really glad that I get to speak with Ryan McCann. He is a colleague, a buddy, uh, who runs the Indiana Family Institute. And we're going to talk about a, a fascinating uh, topic regarding the rights of parents to be able to identify their kids as to how God created them. Uh, it's stunning to me that we even have to have this conversation, but we do. We live in a time now where the Department of Child Services, uh, you know, every state has a different name for it, but the state that comes in and makes a determination as to whether or not the child is in a home that is fit for healthy living. Uh, and of course, the reality is that there's a lot of problem homes, you know, where that department is needed. If there's abuse that's going on, if there's uh, horrific, um, you know, sexual, verbal, physical abuse, there's no doubt that that's the case. And it's very complicated in terms of, you know, he said, she said, and I, I'm just glad that I, I, I'm not involved in that um, arena because it's just a nightmare in terms of how I've, I've seen it peripherally. But what's happened in, uh, in the case in Indiana that, that was one of the reasons why my friend Ryan is on the show today is that there is a, uh, a family, and you can read about it. You can go to Indiana Family Institute. Uh, and just Google that, and you'll see in the, a short video. Uh, I'll read from you just a, a little bit about um, what uh, one of the reasons why Ryan is advancing legislation to pr protect parental rights there. And we're actually looking to do the same thing here in Alaska. And so that's one of the reasons why we are interviewing, or I'm interviewing, uh, chatting with Ryan today. He says uh, in his newsletter, his latest uh online newsletter. One of my goals for IFI, Indiana Family Institute, has always been to grow our capabilities so that we are strategically helping Hoosier families who are under attack because of their faith. That growth you have provided through your investment in IFI shows its value more and more every day. Uh, and, and we, of course, would ask for that same kind of support because we're similar to Brian in that we are dependent solely on uh, individual Alaskans uh, who support what we do, whether you're a believer in Christ or not. We just uh, we need the support. We ask for it. We covet it. And uh, we link arms with you to, to address these kinds of issue issues. Anyway, uh, my friend Brian, who's on the show here in a little bit, says uh, um, goes on to say, we met the Cox family a couple of years ago through the IFI Five Freedoms Project. They were needing help because the government was attempting to remove their son from their home merely because they wouldn't affirm him as a female. Over the last two years, uh, we've spent an immense amount of time representing the Cox family and trying to re reunite them with their son. Um, and it, it turns out that uh, they are, um, they've already represented the Cox family in court, 
on the lower level, and uh, the court ruled in favor of the state to remove that child from the home based on the fact that they wouldn't affirm the identity of their son as a female. So let that sink in. It's really uh, come to a place now where the state is saying that you are abusing your child if you're not affirming them in their gender dysphoria. Um, As Ryan says, it is clearer and clearer with each passing year that parental rights are under attack. From a culture that is actively devaluing the connections and security provided by strong families. Thankfully, there are two bills that I would like to introduce to you today. And we're going to um, focus uh, the conversation on, this, uh, on, on the, the one bill um, mentioned in the video that you can see at Indiana Family Institute that basically strengthens parental rights by stating in clear language that parental rights are fundamental and that refusing to affirm your child as anything other than their biological sex is not a reason for the state to remove your child from your care. As Ryan says, we firmly believe that the existing law was intended to provide this protection, but courts in the bureaucracy are interpreting the law in a way that ignores parental rights. HB 1407 will add clear and concise language that cannot be misinterpreted or ignored. The Cox family has lost so much in this struggle against government overreach, but their sacrifice has highlighted a danger that all parents in Indiana need to be aware of. Uh, It's an incredibly important bill to solve this problem. So uh, just know that, you know, it's easy to say, gosh, you know, just because Disney is creating these transgender uh, characters, just because you read stories about the schools indoctrinating young kids as uh, early as kindergarten and first grade, about the fact that their parents have misidentified them, that the physicians have misidentified them, that God has misidentified them. Uh, it's insanity. It's true insanity, and it's not anything that should be uh, an absolute shock to those of us who adhere to scriptural teaching because uh, it says very clearly that right will be wrong and wrong will be right, and up will be down and down will be up. And it sure seems that we're at that stage right now. And yet we don't lose hope. The truth keeps marching on. We have to continue to engage as Ryan is doing in uh, Indiana. Uh, obviously, it's, it's not something that's unique to Indiana, although in some of my conversations with him earlier, he says that he doesn't even know if there's another case like that, or uh, yeah, another case like this that's getting ready to go to the um, Indiana uh, Supreme Court. Um, and so what, what a, a travesty that we're at a stage right now where the state is intruding in on parents' Um, and taking kids away simply because those kids in a culture that's gone mad have gotten to a place where they're so desperate that they want surgery to remove healthy body parts and to have um, medication that stops uh, puberty from occurring. I mean, it's just insanity. And I'd like to think that even our friends on the left can agree to some of this stuff that it's just true madness. I mean, I saw a video the other day that was encouraging. Um, it was basically, uh, I can't remember the guy's name, but it's, on, it's a Fox News show, and he was interviewing uh, a, uh, um, a drag queen. And the drag queen was basically saying, if I were doing a show and saw a young child 
in the audience, I would I would uh, leave the stage. I would I would uh, would stop doing what I'm doing. And basically, he was saying, I I acknowledge that what I do is bizarre. It's sexual. It's overtly adult, and um, and kids shouldn't be uh, um, exposed to that. And so that was a that was a, an actual drag queen saying that. And he said that he's in the minority. Uh, in terms of most drag queens wanting to expose that. And in fact, we're finding out that that is in public schools now. The latest case was in Pennsylvania, where it's not just in libraries. Public schools are having drag queen story hours. So it's just insanity, and it's um, affirmation that um, uh, that God is good, that God is real, that, that prophecy is real, that our hope is not unfounded because everything is coming true before our eyes. Not that we haven't always had madness in this culture since the fall, but uh, what a unique time we're living in, folks. So stick around. We'll be here uh, right back on I'm Glad You Said That uh, with my friend Ryan McCann at Indiana Family Institute. You want to not miss this one. We'll be right back. Jim Minery here with I'm Glad You Said That, and I am pleased to have my buddy, pal, colleague, uh, Ryan McCann, who's the executive director of the Indiana Family Institute on the show today. Ryan, how are you, my friend? Jim, I'm better now that I'm talking with you. It's a good day if I get to spend some time with Jim Minery. <laughs> and we have had the good pleasure of uh, sitting on a boat on the Kenai River Catching uh, fat sockeyes, uh, that is a memory and photo that will be forever uh, in my mind um, of us on that trip. That was just a hoot, and I don't know. Are we going to do that again? Um, I haven't even Absolutely. talked to Yeah. Have you heard I, from you Zach? Is he coming up? You made history for me. That was the first time I'd ever, you know, been to Alaska. Every time I'd, first time I'd ever been salmon fishing in Alaska, so... I think whatever money the Chamber of Commerce gets up there in Alaska, I think that ought to go to you because I think you're doing more for the Chamber to get people into Alaska than anybody. So thank you. You, you, you did a great job showing us around. Oh, gosh. Zach and I um, love this state. Obviously, people that come up here have a great time. We really, really enjoyed that. And just so folks know, we're part of this national network of family policy councils called um, Family Policy Alliance. Very uh, pleased to have that opportunity to reach out and, and uh, share best practices and challenges and fellowship with uh, fellow Family Policy Council executives all across the country. Um, and Ryan heads up that effort in Indiana. You know, a lot of people that would hear Indiana, there's states that people automatically think, you know, that's uh, John Cougar and Larry Bird and conservative, and you don't have to worry about any of the liberal craziness that we have in Alaska and other places, but that ain't the case, is it? Obviously, you guys are dealing with all sorts of issues, one of which is uh, the parental rights um, issue that I wanted to talk about. But give folks just an idea of, um, and I don't even know if you and I have talked about this, at least for a while, but what was your um, background prior to heading up the Indiana Family Institute? Just tell us a little bit of the background um, so people can get up to speed on who you are. Absolutely. So, yeah, Indiana, obviously... A red state, but we definitely have pockets. You know, Gary, Indiana is up by Chicago. People don't realize that Indiana borders uh, Lake Michigan for just a little bit. And we're up by Chicago, and 
So at one point, Gary was the murder capital of the world. A lot of FBI investigations and things up there, so very, very blue area. Um, Indianapolis is a pretty liberal area. And then Bloomington is where Indiana University is at, so pretty liberal as well. And there's a few other college towns, Ball State University and Indiana State University over in Terre Haute. And so you get some college town areas in there that get pretty liberal as well. But you're right, generally a red state, which is great. You know, my my background, I was born and raised here in Indiana, a Hoosier uh, by birth, and uh, grandparents farmed, and just, you know, a long history of family here in the, state, in the Hoosier state. And I went to Indiana Wesleyan University up in the northern part of Indiana and got my master's out east at Regent University, and then uh, started doing some work for IFI straight out of grad school, and been here ever since. They just can't get rid of me uh, to the point where in 2019 they... They made me take over the organization, so uh, pretty crazy. So, yeah, I've been, been around here at the Hoosier State for a long time and uh, glad to lead lead IFI and partner with phenomenal family policy councils, uh, leaders like you, Jim, around the country that are really doing fighting the fight up on the front lines, taking the arrows and the spears from the other side, really trying to protect faith, family, and freedom and you know our culture and our heritage here in, in America and in our states. Well, you have, let's dive into this parental rights thing because we could talk about this forever. We're, we're trying to tackle it from a different, well, from a couple different perspectives here in Alaska. But what got my attention was the, um, the bill that you guys are advancing now, a couple of them. But we'll, let's start off with, uh, um, the parental rights, um, legislation, HB 1407, I think it is. But, um, Let's give folks an idea of, you know, what was the, um, uh, you know, what was the uh, interest in that and how have you uh, worked? I know that we talked offline about Alliance Defending Freedom. We've been working with them, our national partner. We've talked to several of those folks on the show in the past. They know we're national partners with Alliance Defending Freedom, as is IFI and, and all of the Family Policy Councils. But what made you guys realize that now is the time for that uh, that piece of legislation? Well, I think this is some legislation that really every state should look into. What what brought it to our attention was a couple things. Number one, we've had a few different court cases in Indiana where, you know, there's kind of been an understanding in most states that parental rights is a fundamental right and, you know, the rights of a parent to, to raise their child. You know, the, the folks that made our laws many years ago, there was kind of a fi- foundational understanding that that was the case. But it wasn't always necessarily explicitly put into to law, not understanding some of the dangers that, you know, we face today. And so um, what we found is a lot of times state courts are eroding some of those rights. And then you have uh, parts of the bureaucracy, even in red states, that are really creating some problems. So in Indiana, we had a few court cases that eroded parent rights. Uh, and then we have a situation, our, ours is called the Department of Child Services here in Indiana, DCS, when a a parent does something bad and uh, uh, the state needs to go in and get involved and maybe even take a child out of the home. That's called the Department of Child Services here in Indiana. And we had calls for a few years now from parents saying, boy, uh, it was a very similar situation where it was a teenage child that was struggling with some mental health issues, including gender identity, and somehow that would get reported one way or the other, to the Department of Child Services, and then they would start investigating the parent. And I said, whoa, you know, there, there should never be even an investigation opened uh, in a parent just because they wouldn't refer to a child 
by the, the wrong sex. So a biological male wants to be referred to as a female, and the parents won't do that. Uh, that should never be even investigated for neglect or abuse because there's no such thing. Um, and so finally, we, we saw some investigations, but nothing happened and tried to raise the attention of people for a few years now. And then finally, we had a family, Jeremy and Mary Cox of Anderson, Indiana, who reached out to us and they actually had a situation where the Department of Child Services uh, removed their child from their home, got a judge to side with them in that case. Literally all they did was would not refer to their biological male 16-year-old son as a female. There was no abuse or neglect. They have a number of other children or great parents. Um, that was the only issue, and the state has kept their son out of their home for uh, over a year and a half now to the point now where the child is 18 and is aged out of the system. Wow. And it's just unbelievable. We had a we litigated the case. It went to state court, and then the court, Indiana Court of Appeals, okay. they got a bad ruling in the Indiana Court of Appeals that ruled against us, shockingly and crazy in a crazy way, against the parents in this case. We're going to take it all the way to the Indiana Supreme Court. But these are the crazy times that we're living in. Even in a red state like Indiana, um, you could have parents that are are great parents doing the right thing. They have a child with significant mental health issues, including gender dysphoria, and the wrong people uh, raise concerns, and uh, and then the state comes in and and takes the child away for no no reason other than the parents won't refer to him as a female. It's crazy, mm-hmm. and so this this bill would would solve that issue. It would make parental rights a fundamental right in our state code explicitly. And then it would rein in the Department of Child Services from ever being able to do this kind of thing to, to parents again. Wow. Now, it seems as though that would not be an uncommon thing. Now that we have seen sort of the underbelly of the public school system and how um, overt and unabashed the teachers and principals and, uh, and, and counselors, not all of them, of course, because we have some real good, solid people that are, are doing God's work in public schools, so bless them. But for the most part, the system has uh, has foisted upon um, the public schools people that are very interested in denying the right of parents to be involved in those kinds of decisions. And, and what happens in the public schools, as you know, is even in as early as kindergarten, first, second grade, they're they're, they're feeding them this nonsense that their parents or the doctors misidentified them and putting all the stuff in their head that will eventually manifest itself into things where down the road they're, they're going to go against their parents. They're going to d- d- believe that there's some other um, sex, which is impossible, some other gender, which is impossible. Um, so it, it, it's, it's very evident in the public schools, but it, it just seems to me that that would also be um, the, the, what you just described happening in every state and that some of our allies would have also been doing this um, in other states. Are, are you guys leading the charge? Are you vanguarding this right now? You know, we talked with Alliance Defending Freedom a couple of years ago when this case first came to our attention and the, the Cox family reached out to us. And I was shocked to hear that ADF had never seen, a, a, had to litigate a case like this where a parent actually had a child taken away solely because they would not affirm him in their newfound gender. Mm-hmm. Um, I was I was shocked. In a state like Indiana, we were the first ones where they 
you know, had seen the need to litigate. And, you know, we got some very liberal states across the country, but um, I, I'm not, I would not be surprised if it wasn't happening a lot over the, all, all over the country and people just aren't aware of it. A couple of reasons why people wouldn't be aware of it are when you, when you're investigated as a parent, it's a very scary situation, uh, especially like the Cox family. They have a number of children. I believe they have six or seven children uh, total. And so, you know, it's very uh, scary. You're being investigated, not only the child that is, uh, you know, in question, but could your other ch children be removed? Um, at one point, there was even charges against the parents for abuse and neglect, which is insane. Um, oh, my gosh. Those eventually, those eventually were dropped because there literally was nothing there. Um but that's a scary situation. The other thing that's come up in this case, which I think would probably be the case in other states as well, because this is in Indiana, it's called a child in need of services case. So it's a minor. Um, because it's a minor, a lot of the situation in the case cannot be publicly revealed. So the parents hey, are even limited. Ryan, on what, hold on uh, one second. Yeah, we have ahead. to take our, our first break real fast, folks. We're speaking oh, with fine. Ryan McCann. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we'll be right back, folks, with Ryan McCann uh, at Indiana Family Institute here, and I'm glad you said that. Stick around. Hey guys, welcome back. Jim Minnery here on I'm Glad You Said That. We're having a fascinating discussion, a little bit uh, discouraging, but there's there's hope. There's always hope with us um, as believers and where our hope lies. But I'm speaking with Ryan McCann, my, my good buddy and colleague who runs the Indiana Family Institute, IFI, in Indiana, Ryan McCann, and we're talking about this crazy situation of a family that uh, actually has been in court trying to fight for the right to be parents because one of their children um, uh, identifies as another gender, and uh, and they're in court because they weren't affirming that right. It's just stunning at where we're at uh, in this culture. It's, it's stunning to me that there hasn't been um, more cases like this. And that's one of the reasons why I called Ryan and want to have him on the show today is to discuss this in a little bit more detail because now that we have a willing legislature, at least a willing House and certainly a willing governor, um, I want to get this uh, on the plate up here as some of our uh, as part of our legislative agenda. But so you're saying, Ryan, that if so, you're going to go to the Supreme Court. How, how does that? So they lost at the lower court level. Uh, the court affirmed the right of the uh, of the institution to take away the kid who's now 18, so he's out of the system now. Um, and it sounds like the parents um, also have other kids that were interviewed, and I'm guessing that the, the other kids said, no, mom and dad have done a great job. We have a brother that is identifying as a, a girl, and mom and dad did what they did, but uh, we have nothing against that. And I'm guessing that that's been an affirmation of them because that had to be one of the most challenging things of their lives and, and continues to be. But they at least have uh, the rest of the family, it sounds like, that's that's supporting them. And what what, uh, what, what how does the process work in terms of uh, timing for the Supreme Court taking up this issue? It could take a long time as these court cases do. We'll just we'll see. We're going to just challenge it in uh, every way we can. Um, and thankfully, just like. You, you were doing in Alaska, there's multiple ways to attack these things, right? There's, you know, the legal side, but then there's also the legislative. And uh, so that that's where we're turning to now. We can fight two battles at once, and we'll continue to, 
you know, fight their case all the way up to the Indiana Supreme Court. But then we also want to just take this out of their hands, really, by uh, changing the law and just telling the state, you cannot do this sort of thing. This is a fundamental violation of parental, parental rights. The Department of Child Services and other members of, you know, the bureaucracy cannot go in and take ch- children away from their parents merely because the parents won't refer to them as the wrong sex. Um, and so, yeah, it's uh, I, was, I was saying that um, also that I think there's probably more parents that are going through this than people realize, but right. they are very scared because the state comes in and, you know, accuses them of child abuse just because of they won't refer to their child as the opposite sex. And um, there, there's a lot of pressure there. There's a lot of pressure there to just conform and say, okay, I'll start referring to him as a she, or I'll start referring to my daughter as a boy and to make this thing go away. And so I think a lot of parents are doing that to, you know, uh, you know, allow the parents or allow the state to just get out of their home. Um, and these parents just knew that was not going to be the solution for their son. He was not going to be better off. Um, he struggled with some other mental health issues and they knew that the gender identity issues were just connected to a lot of the other health issues that he has. Right. Rather than counsel, they had already had him doing counseling and other things. And rather than working with mental health professionals and others to try to help him get to the bottom of some of his issues, they just wanted to sweep all those under the rug and just say, "Oh, his problem is that he's really a female." And once we affirm that, he'll be great. You know, it's like, "Oh no, that's not going to solve these problems here." So, yeah, it's it's amazing what's going on. And uh, but I, I do think there's hope both legislatively and challenging this in court and I just think even in culture you know it's crazy culture that we're in these days I still think a lot of even center left people realize oh wow I don't think we want to start removing kids from their homes because that could cut both ways right Um, some things that liberal parents believe that maybe uh, the mainstream of society doesn't believe we really want to start removing kids from kind of center left parents as well Um, is the state really the best place? Uh, do they have a great track record of raising kids? No. So, uh, you know, we'll see. But I have a lot of hope in the long run that we can overcome this, but it's going to take a lot of courage and a lot of effort. I know. Is uh, is ADF partnering with you guys legally? I know Josh uh, is, is a big part. Or, or uh, actually, no, you do have your own counsel yeah. at IFI? That's right. So, J- Josh is our general counsel. He runs our Daniel Initiative, uh, now uh, Church Ambassador Network. Um, he runs that as well, but he is our general counsel, and he's been representing the Cox family. And um, ADF has been involved, however, because it's a state-level issue. A lot of times ADF gets more involved when it's a federal issue. And so because this is kind of novel and it involves some specific Indiana sort of state law, um, Josh has really taken the lead, but ADF has been helpful and have been involved. Well, what about uh, the regulatory or administrative side of things? I know that, you know, we both know the left is, is uh, experts, are experts at um, not worrying about whether they can pass laws or get people elected. They're entrenched. It's the deep state. Um, but it, you would think that we would have, I mean, I'm, I'm thinking of our state, we have a, an allied governor 
and an allied cabinet, people who head the Department of Health and Social Services and people that we can work with. But um, was that ever something that you guys take uh, took a peek at in terms of, okay, we, we want to pass legislation, we want to take this to court, but is there uh, administrative regulatory procedures within the department um, of your current administration that could have uh, looked at this as well and tweaked things? Absolutely. That's something we always try to do first and foremost before we ever litigate or ever even put a piece of legislation together. Is there an easier, better, quicker way that we can solve this problem? Can we talk to the appropriate part of the bureaucracy or the governor's office or whoever the case may be? In this particular situation with the Cox family, we really pulled out all the stops over the last couple of years. And even before that, I started getting calls from parents. And so I started talking with the attorney general's office. I started talking with legislators. I started talking with, you know, anybody at the governor's office that would listen, uh, really anybody that would listen, and just didn't make any progress. With this particular issue, what's so hard, and I think a lot of people in their state will find it as well, with the equivalent of Department of Child Services here, that same equivalent in other states, it's difficult because there's a lot of messy family situations going on there, right? And a lot of times right. there are parents that are doing bad things. The parents are on drugs or the parents are abusing the children or there's all sorts of terrible situations. So the most most of the situations they're dealing with, you do have parents that are doing bad things. And it's just a matter of, okay, how bad is it and what does the future look like for the child and do we need to remove the child or what do we need to do here? And yeah. so there's always a cynicism, a skepticism up front um, that, oh, boy, the parents must be really doing something terrible to get in the situation, um, and, and there really wasn't. And so we tried to go to the, the top of Department of Child Services, uh, didn't have much luck. Uh, we uh, It's a long story of all the people that we talked to, but we tried to shake all the bushes and talk to all the right people and say, boy, do you really want to be doing this? This is what's really going on. Are you sure you know what's going on? Even the governor's office, you know, we have a Republican governor in Eric Holcomb, but he's really not been a, a friend on these LGBT sort of issues. He he vetoed our women's sports bill last year. He's been, uh, he supported a, a bill that would have added sexual orientation and gender identity into our criminal code. Wow. He's just not been friendly on these issues. And so his office has done nothing to be helpful uh, with the bureaucracy Um and uh, even the attorney general's office in Indiana, we have a great attorney general, um, but part of their job is to defend the law and defend the state kind of no matter what, unless it's blatantly unconstitutional. We made the argument, this is blatantly unconstitutional. What's happening here? Don't defend the state. Um, but they went ahead and defended the state as well. So it's been very frustrating, to be honest, um, with our state-level officials and our bureaucracy Um but we've we've really tried to talk to everybody that would po want to possibly talk to us, and nobody seems to want to listen. They just want to attack this family, and uh, it's a shame. Wow. Yeah, I, I guess you know that, that's a, a good reminder. I mean, we are, our attorney general is um, appointed by the governor, and as an ally, it's a unique situation. I'm not sure if it's an elected position there in Indiana. It's different every state. Um, it's elected here in Indiana. Yeah, it's separate from the governor's oh. office. Yeah, and I, I, I go back and forth on that. I mean, it's a whole other topic. But I mean, what I what that that's a good eye opener um, in terms of, you know, we want to start with that to see how things play out in terms of okay, what are the current regulatory administrative, uh, you know, 
parameters and how can we work within that and, and we'll partner with you as you know as we always do with reaching out to other FPCs and finding out what they've learned and how we can learn from that and, and uh, but then I still want to introduce this bill and uh, and bring it to people's attention because uh, I know that it's out there I want, when we come back from this uh, from this last break in our final segment with Ryan McCann at Indiana Family Institute I want to talk about some of the things that we can do um, as a culture, as uh, a policy organization in terms of educating the public on how this is happening and educating parents and kids on, on this whole concept of uh, why they're having to believe uh, lies that they can change their gender and how we can maybe counter that. So um, anyway, we'll be right back, folks. On I'm glad you said that here right after this last break. Hey guys, welcome back. Jim Minery here for the final segment with my buddy, my fishing partner, uh, my salmon sling friend, Ryan McCann, who's the executive director <laughs> of the Indiana Family Institute. I bet you never called been called that before. No, um, no, I haven't. I And I, <laughs> I uh, demanded that Zach allow me to wrestle a bear the last time I was up there, and I never got the opportunity. So <laughs> next time I come up, you're going to have to help me wrestle some wildlife while I'm up there. <laughs> I can do that. I can do that. I got some. Uh, I got some liberal friends that uh, I consider wildlife. We can wrestle them. Too. Close enough. Close enough. <laughs> well, we're talking about this issue that I hope that we're going to be able to introduce this session. Who knows how far it'll go? But it's just unbelievably important in terms of this trend that's happening in the uh, gender ideology madness that we live in now. Um, and I, you know, I'm sure everyone um, says the same thing. The more or sees the same thing, the more you kind of interact with the public, the more it kind of is come, comes up in different ways and shapes in terms of people identifying as different uh, genders. And it, it, it is it becomes a question of, well, was it always there? Um, well, sure. Sin has always been there in terms of. Um, people and human flourishing and, 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 and sinful nature, but is it also manifesting itself because of uh, how, how, how much it's being pushed on culture in terms of, you know, Disney now having transgender characters and should I heard the other day that there's uh, M&Ms now have lesbian M&Ms. Did you hear that? Um, yeah, I did. I heard they had to walk that one back, though. Thankfully, but wow. Oh, yeah. I didn't know that. I just, I, I just saw that and said, "You've got to be kidding me!" I mean, it's just, <laughs> it's just reached such a, a stage where it's almost unbelievable. But you know, in all parts of our society, uh, the transgender uh, issue and the gender ideology issue has been just foisted upon us, and it's only going to be um, more of a challenge because of how aggressive, assertive. Uh, overt, unabashed, the public schools are. Um, and so all these kids at a very young age that are being uh, indoctrinated, and, and I have no problem saying that word because that's exactly what it is, to believe that they are of, uh, that they can determine um, their own sex, their own gender, that God is wrong, that their parents are wrong, that physicians are wrong, that, that were the OBGYNs. I've heard that story before. Uh, it's just it's just uh, lunacy. Um, and so what can we do, Ryan, as uh, as a movement to counter that madness? I mean, because 
a lot of it has to do with public education. And, you know, there's been public education efforts that have been successful um, in other areas, whether it's smoking, uh, you know, whether it's, uh, um, you know, just say no to drugs, whether it's no bullying, I don't know, just different efforts that have occurred. And of course, we're not going to get the mainstream media on board, likely, or, or corporate America or all the other woke institutions. But don't we have a responsibility to to be able to counter some of this madness? And are you guys doing anything like that to be able to you know, speak to kids and parents that, you know what, this might be something that you're going through, but it, necess- it doesn't necessarily have to identify you and, and change how you interact with the world. Absolutely. Well, a couple things. I think number one is that we don't have to live in fear. You know, uh, even for those that don't have a, a, you know, a faith background or a biblical worldview, obviously we do and our hopes in Christ. And so God plus one's a majority, and if God's with us, who can be against us? But Amen. even for those that, even for those that uh, may be interested in this topic that even don't have a, a faith background, I don't think we need to live in fear on this issue. I think we can step out and encourage. Uh, I think when you look at the issue, um, the the left side of the political spectrum on the transgender topic, they have built their entire arguments and medical industry and all the things that they're doing in the schools and other things on a complete nothing. Their foundation is not there. It's the uh, emperor has no clothes. Uh, There there is nothing uh, underneath this movement. And what it's doing is it's harming children in a major way. And these children won't remain children forever. Unfortunately, I'm already, I'm already coming across people that as uh, children and as young adults were fed this lie and they're realizing, wow, this isn't true. Some of them, They've gone far down the the line, and they've uh, removed healthy body parts. They've really destroyed their body with opposite sex hormones and uh, puberty blocking drugs and a lot of just different things. Um, But these people have a story to tell, and unfortunately, there's going to be more and more of them as the mental health uh, community and the medical community really uh, does major harm to people uh, here. And so I think long-term... Unfortunately, because of those folks that are going through this and being harmed, I think we can come alongside them. I think we can help them. I think we can show them compassion and the true uh, counseling and help that they need to overcome some things they're struggling with. And then we can also help them really go after this industry who has uh, profited off of their pain. Um, I I see it very similar to the abortion industry where Mm. in 1973 and even really into the 90s and early 2000s, like boy, we ever going to win this thing? I mean, we—it's you know—the left kind of declared victory, and this is an old issue, and this is the way it's always going to be. And then you know, Roe versus Wade is overturned not that much later. And I see this as the beginning, the 1973 of the transgender issue, and I'm hopeful that it doesn't have to take that long to to turn the tide because even center left people, I'm talking to people. I've got a transgender friend who's. Uh, thinking about detransitioning now, we wouldn't agree on a lot of other issues. An ACLU supporter, uh, you know, uh, supporting liberal causes for a long, long time. But on these issues of giving puberty-blocking drugs to kids and cross-sex hormones and surgery and taking kids away from parents and the whole transgender movement, you know, even my transgender friend realizes this is wrong. You know, this is not this is not good. Minors are not capable of making these lifelong decisions that are going to change their bodies forever. Um, right. Parents need to not have children removed. 
uh, because of this. Um, so I think we're going to win hearts and minds in the culture, even those that aren't traditionally with us on this issue long term, because we're really the ones that care about these people. I, I, I love the Cox family, and I love their son, and I love some other folks that have come to us with these issues that wouldn't normally necessarily be allies with, that, with IFI. But I love them, and I hate what's happened to them. And there's medical people that knew better that made a buck by selling them a lie, and it's sad, and those people need to be held accountable. And so I think we can come along beside these people in love and and help them, give them the help that they needed uh, perhaps years ago and didn't get it from folks uh, on the other side. We can help them, and I think we can turn the tide on this because these are real people that people are going to come in contact with and see and see the harm that's been done to them and hear their stories, and it's powerful. I, uh, I, I'm thinking of a, a, a young girl. My my daughter played hockey growing up, and I uh, was really involved as a coach, and and uh, it was pretty all uh, pretty intensive environment, competitive hockey stuff. And one of the my favorite girls on the team uh, was. Um, someone who eventually uh, transitioned, and I, I remember I hadn't seen her in years, and I saw a front page of a, a liberal local newspaper, and she was on the on the front page, uh, having you know full beard, transitioned into a male, supposedly whatever. But 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 to this day, I think of her as just this wonderful little girl with a heart of gold and just really spirited, and you know maybe different than the other girls, but. Man, oh man! Um, I know uh, her parents, and and uh, like you said, I mean, we we really truly feel for these people because you know they're they're in many ways it's not any different than our story as individuals who are fallen and confused and seeking and wanting affirmation and wanting wanting to flourish, and and yet in the end that only comes through Christ. That only comes through our relationship knowing that we're image bearers and, and that we fall short, but that God still, um, you know, is relentless and the truth keeps marching on. And so we, it's exactly right in terms of we have to have an attitude of gratitude in terms of we still have the ability to do things like the, the legislation that you've, you're advancing. And I say this all the time. I don't know what the likelihood is of, the legislation passing. Are you guys a, a, a red in both chambers and, and the governor's going to sign it or is he the kind of guy that might veto this? He, you know, you never know with him on this kind of stuff, but I think this would hard, be hard for him to veto. We'll see. We do have Republican supermajorities in the House and the Senate. That doesn't mean conservative supermajorities, but no. I think we have, I think there's a good chance that the bill moves. Uh, you know, we've got a couple months to work it through the process to see if it actually gets to the governor's desk, but I think there's a pretty good uh, probability. Wow. Well, I, I will be following it closely, and I'll be, uh, you know, um, picking your brain between now and April, going back and forth on this, because we're definitely going to do it. We have some folks who are very fired up about it I've talked to in the legislature. Um, I don't know whether we have the ability to pass it in the Senate. I certainly know our governor would sign it, but... Um, I've always just said, you know, the, the right thing is lifting up that which is good. I mean, that's Romans 13. Legislature should do that no matter what to get the dialogue going. And what is right is that parents have the right to raise their children. They're the final arbiters. There's obviously situations where that's, um, you know, not the case and they need to be the, the, the parents are, are liable for doing bad things. But that's not what this is about. And we just thank you, uh, Ryan. I thank you, man. Thank you for being my friend and, and for a leader in this movement. And uh, God bless you and all that you do. we got to wrap it up.
Right back, right back at you, Jim. Thank you for being a bright light in Alaska. We're so glad that you're fighting the fight there on the frontier and uh, appreciate all the work that you're doing in the great state of Alaska. God bless, brother. We'll be in touch soon.